Hey everybody, this episode of Tech Stillers is supported by Fullstack PEO, a turnkey HR solution. Zach and I have known the team at Fullstack for a really long time, and they absolutely have a passion for emerging companies and the people who are embarking on that journey. You know, when you're trying to grow your company, you have a ton of top priorities to worry about, and HR doesn't have to be one of those. You know, you can trust that the folks at Fullstack will take care of you and your team, so you can focus on your company. Check them out now at fullstackpeo.com forward slash textillers and get the peace of mind you need. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. I'm Zach Darnell. And I'm Sean Larson. And we're the Textillers. Exploring what it's like to solve problems and build things. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Today, uh, we're going to talk with Megan Casey. Um, who is uh, CEO of 120 Water. Now, one of the interesting things about uh, this talk in particular, the conversation we had, uh, for me anyway, was the fact that so often do we take water for granted, or at least in this country. Um, There's so much abundance of good water, relatively good water, um, that we don't even think about where it comes from. Often we drink it out of uh, wasteful plastic bottles, thinking that it's better than what comes out of our uh, actual taps. Um, so we spoke with Megan about what 120 Water does, the importance of their mission uh, to help organizations uh, test their water so they can understand and raise the bar for the standards of drinking water in the country. This was a really, really good conversation. Zach and I both uh, um, think very highly of uh, Megan and her organization and um, what they're doing uh, and the technology they're bringing to bear on such an important issue. So uh, here we go. To kick us off, I'm going to put you on the hot seat, Megan. Would you just walk us through a little bit of your personal history, um, catch us up to kind of how that led you to where you're at today? Um, and maybe a quick lead in to 120. Sure. Yes. Well, thanks so much for having me, and I'm glad we were able to chat. Yeah, us <laughs> too. We're really looking forward to this one. It's a really good treat and a, a break in the day, so I, I appreciate it. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, um, well, Megan Glover, co-founder and CEO of, of 120 Water. Um, Hi, Megan. My, <laughs> you know, I have to go into okay. <laughs> And by the way, my my dog, if, if he 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 starts, uh, if you hear him, let me know, and I'll I'll push him out of the room. But um, so uh, I I've been in Indianapolis tech, I would say, for um, the last fifteen years of my career. So I graduated from DePaul University and um, was planning on going to law school, and I couldn't picture myself as an attorney. Just I could not, you know what I mean? Like when you close your eyes and you're like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just I just don't see it. So I actually spent a year um, uh, working for DePaul's annual fund where I traveled around uh, the country and met different entrepreneurs or professors or whatnot, raising money for the annual fund. And it was during that process where I kind of opened my eyes to other other business um, paths that's not, you know, being an attorney or a teacher or whatnot. And I met um, Angie Hicks. So she's a DePaul grad and Angie's list. So this was like 2005 and Angie's list was about a hundred employees. It was mm-hmm. right before they got their major, major round of funding. 
And I said, you know, this is really cool watching, you know, watching what she's done and building something from nothing. And, um, and so I applied for a job there and, um, and so that was kind of where I got my start in terms of indie tech and kind of building, growing investor owned companies and what that looked like. And so, um, so what I did for them is I essentially did their digital marketing and they didn't call it that at the time. Cause this was 2005, mind you, that wasn't a thing. SEO was just starting to like, uh, become a thing. And so I did their brand enforcement, their digital marketing, and then, um, implemented a software called compendium which was mm-hmm. co-founded by Chris Baggett. And in the process of implementing Compendium for Angie's List, um, got to get a taste of uh, business-to-business software startup. I thought it was a really cool to- tool. I knew the founders. And so I, um, long story short, I, I reached out to the founders, Ali, Ali Roach and, and Chris, and I said, hey, well, tell me more about what you're doing here. And I, I really loved what they were doing. And um, I said, if you have an opportunity, I would love to love to join the team. And so I joined Compendium as employee number five and really wow. was there from zero to about three and a half million and built out their go-to-market. So their marketing, demand gen, product marketing, um, and sales development process. And I went on to do that for various other B2B software companies and indie tech prior to founding um, 120 in 2016. So really focused on growing and, and scaling B2B software companies um, early stage, the better. Wow. So yeah. how, how was the really quick on that note, like how has the transition been from marketer to CEO? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you built your career up to 120. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I, I will tell you, I think, um, honestly, I think it's made me a stronger CEO, understanding the the go-to-market and the marketing aspect of building a business, um, because you have to understand, you have to understand the market. So doing your total addressable market analysis, you have to understand personas um, mm-hmm. You have to understand products and how those products are solving problems for personas. And then you have to know how to message and package and price it and all of that stuff. So so I would say I, um, you know, that part of building a company and leading a company actually came very naturally. I would say it's all of the the governance and the managing of a board and all of the um, what I would call operational stuff that that's been uh, the learning experience for me. Okay. That's pretty, that's, I mean, I've always thought of and been told that, you know, the CEO is kind of the primary uh, spokesperson, salesperson face, you know, as you say. So I would imagine a lot of that being really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not afraid. And, you know, I'm certainly not, um, we, we just talked about it being an extrovert and loving people, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. afraid to have those tough conversations and, and pivot because of it. Right. And right. I think, we're different than some CEOs that may, I've worked for finance CEOs. I've worked for product, you know, pure engineering CEOs. And, and I think you kind of have to be able to um, not think so black and white when you're starting a company. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so, you know, you you spent a lot of time in digital, in digital tech uh, here in Indy. And the first product, if you, correct me if I'm wrong, was the physical uh, test kits, right? Yeah. yeah. 
was that a tough thing to kind of, I don't know, was there a, a difference in how you would market or position that than what your previous experience was? Yeah, absolutely. So actually two things, which were a complete 180 from my background. So so just real quickly, so 120, 120 Water Audit, we've now rebranded to 120 Water, but yeah, our, our very first product that we launched was a, essentially think about the Birch Box for water testing subscription mm -hmm. model, right? It's a digital kit that you get, you fill up your water and, and it gets back to a lab and results in 14 days. So think 23andMe, Birchbox type business model. Yeah. And, um, and we launched it quite frankly, because uh, post Flint, Michigan, uh, mm. for those of you who've heard or, or know about the Flint, Michigan water crisis, terrible, right? The worst man-made yeah. water crisis I think we'll ever see in our, in our life, lifetime. Wow. And uh, again, I was having coffee with, with Chris Baggett, who became a mentor of mine, and we got on the subject of water. And he just said, hey, Megan, you know, with two young kids at home, have you, do you know that you're water safe to drink? And I, I didn't. And so I went online, you know, using my marketing and digital, I started to search the web to say, hey, how would I go about purchasing a water kit for my house? And I couldn't find one. So, um, so anyway, we launched 120 water audit and it was literally just yeah this this physical kit and i knew no, nothing i knew nothing <laughs> about co the corrugated box i knew nothing about supply chain i knew nothing about you know logistics and shipping and carriers and the other thing is i didn't know a whole lot about uh, marketing to um consumers the b2c marketing play because yeah. i was a b2c marketer so those two things were a 180 from what I had done in my career up to that point. I, I'm very curious, and, and this could be something that is obvious and I just lost on me, but one, 120, 120 water audit, well, or 120 water, what, what's the significance of that name? Yeah. So we, uh, when we launched the, the company and the kits, we sold them on a recurring subscription model. So every 120 days your kit would show up at your doorstep. And, um, and we've since kind of gone away from that model, obviously, but um, we show up first in every sort of conference program that we, that we're in because we have, you know, 120 ahead of our name. And so we've just kind of kept it and, and, and it's, it's kind of a, it's a good conversation piece. Uh, so what was the, what was the biggest thing that you learned going B to B to B to C? Like, what was the thing that, that you're like, oh crap, I wish I would have known this when we started. Mm -hmm. um, one that it is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Real, and, like I, that actually kind of surprises me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I think if you look at especially those subscription models, like if you look yeah. at 23Me, if you look at Birchbox, you know, they they are successful because they have millions of subscribers, right, that they've acquired. Mm -hmm. And um, to acquire just that mass of subscribers and kind of that installed base, um you know, I, again, I, it, it's, it, I think it can be really expensive and it is, it is definitely a skill set that um, I didn't have. Uh, mm -hmm. We had a ton of social following. Like we spent a lot of money on, on social advertising and the engagement was off the charts, but the engagement to conversion 
um, was also very, very low, right? So okay. very limited, limited subscriber base, conversion from engagement to uh, sale low. So it was, yeah, it was, it was surprising. I think it was surprising to all of us. Uh, Chris, you know, Chris Baggett was a co-founder as well. And I think mm-hmm. we were all surprised that when we launched it, it actually didn't take off. That consumer model didn't take off more than, um, than what it did. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I want to talk about water for a second. Um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> very, very important um, component to what you do in your work. Um, I would imagine that you probably have learned a lot about what that means to the world at large, um, but, and not just yourself and your drinkable water at home. But I mean, what do you? What was the most mind blowing statistic that you uncovered in the course of your work so far? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, I have, and and it's something I'm not afraid to be very proud about is becoming a an expert, right? Especially on drinking water regulations, and um, here in the in, in the states at least. Um, and I, I was just blown away by how outdated our safe drinking water regulations as a whole um, are. And that's really what motivated me to really quit my day job and say, I'm, I actually really want to build a business in water because, um, you know, for example, you know, pre-Flint, I don't know how many of you knew this, it was news to me, um, like school facilities and daycare facilities didn't have to test their water. The testing, wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, and now there, you know, so they, there was zero legislation around the testing of water um, in childcare and school facilities. And now we have 20 states who have passed regulations around it. But I was just kind of motivated by, um, by quite frankly, how lax um, our safe drinking water regulations are at the top. <laughs> Was testing happening like at the municipality level, or sort of the, the the actual pumping stations, or the water, you know, the water cleaning stations? I mean, whatever yeah. the proper term for those. And, <laughs> yeah. And, but but so but it was everything that was happening between those areas and the actual consumption of the water that's the problem, right? Right, right. So, so the so lead pipes quick, and. Yep, you got it. So quick, quick uh, water lesson, right? So the water utility cleans the water at the treatment plant and it leaves the treatment plant safe to drink. If you go out there and, you know, fill a glass, it's going to be safe. But once the water uh, travels through the distribution system and a lot of our infrastructure is beyond its useful life, it's aging. Um, we have a lot of lead still in the ground. We have wood in the ground. Um, <laughs> it actually can pick up contaminants. And then once it goes into the facility, you know, how depending on the age of that infrastructure and plumbing materials and whatnot can even get more contaminated. So um, there was this whole gap in what we call like point of use, not only testing, but, but legislation. Yeah. I mean, so you have to be somewhat involved. I mean, you're probably spending time talking to, um, you know, leaders and, and uh, elected officials trying to uncover information, but uh, uh, also try and, be <laughs> it help improve the infrastructure, right? I mean, that that's got to be a whole different effort. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am. I am basically what I like to say is part of my job is not only CEO, but the other part is uh, lobbyist and and yeah. um, educator, educator of water and uh, what are the practical solutions that our government agencies can be doing to uh, to run these programs. 
No, that's incredible. I mean, not only offering a great product, but but standing behind the population of of, of your, your your local areas and and really the the country, as setting an example of what we should be doing, <laughs> rather than just being ignorant and hoping for the best of whatever comes out of your faucet. <laughs> right. Right. So. So you, uh, so there wasn't all, you know, virtually any, uh, legislation around this or regulation, what roughly four years ago. I mean, um, you're, you're celebrating year four this year, uh, for right. 120. So there's been 20 States that have passed laws in that time period. And if I remember from uh, uh, probably a, uh, a coffee that you and I had months ago talking about um, the sophistication level or really lack thereof, like across the board when it comes to management of water, that really that's like a that was kind of maybe the first software product that you guys were were serving, if I remember correctly, the first market you guys were serving with yeah. your first product. Yeah. Was yeah. it? It was around like the treatment facilities. Yeah, it was actually, so, um, it was around um, the, the program management around mm. uh, lead programs at, yeah, at utilities and um, yeah, and how that came about. So again, we didn't set out to build software and um, that wasn't part of the original business plan. And mm. it was only after we started working with these utilities and facilities um, such as schools mm-hmm. And I would go back to uh, the superintendent or the uh, chief operating officer, and I would say, uh, "Where's your Where's your database of record for your water programs?" Like, I, I just did a bunch of manual <laughs> stuff. Like, where you know, <laughs> where's your Where's your Where's your business software? And they would send me an Excel sheet or um, you know, or uh, paper. Hey, fax it my way. So there was really no wow. online tool that they were using to manage these programs. And as a result, I mean, I actually ended up like scrubbing their data, normalizing their data. I put it into my own little kind of thing that I configured. And um, that ended up being our prototype that we used to go out and sell our first three contracts uh, to one state and then two other water systems. And that's truly how we became a a software company and pivoted the business. It's interesting that. Oh, go ahead, Sean. No, no, you. You've well, already said more than I have. <laughs> so it was. It's interesting to think that you know, you had you know, fifteen plus years in tech here in Indy, started a non-tech company, and then happened to pivot into a tech company. Right. I mean, I I would imagine that that was kind of an, an interesting journey. How how long did that? Was it within your first six months, twelve months, two years? No, it was in the first. It was in the first uh, eight months. Oh, it was wow. in the first eight months. Yeah. I mean, when we started to get the inbound, so our kits, because they're completely digital and they, um, mm. again, there's no field labor required. It's completely digital, meaning kits shipped from the warehouse, it gets sampled and then results back in. We had actually gotten some attention from some water utilities that were actually having trouble getting samples collected. And so they wanted to take a look at our kits. And so when we started to get this inbound inquiry from from these businesses, you know, again, the marketer, I mean, like, wait, inbound inquiry, like that, how rare is that? Right. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know, have to call you. Awesome. Right. right. <laughs> or you're interested in, so I'm like, what's, you know, so we started to unpack, like, what's the viability of the B2B um, market mm. and, and realize that, Hey, this is actually a pretty massive market. And, um, and so anyway, that's, 
for me, I think it was actually more natural than trying to mm -hmm. optimize the, the B2C and, um, uh, and that it, it kind of felt natural, um, and at home. I was like, yay. Yeah. Ooh, I know how <laughs> to do this. I can do this. <laughs> That, and that's the part that's really interesting to me is taking taking that problem and trying to think about what the software solution is going to look like. Um, did was that enjoyable for you? I mean that 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 did you did you kind of get that excitement from from um, you know brainstorming what this is going to be, what it's going to look like, where it could go? Yeah, I, I so I I when I when I realized pretty quickly that this market was kind of void of modern modern tools that I had been using in other markets, you know, my entire life. I mean, I've grown up on Salesforce, right? I've grown up on HubSpot. I was literally probably one of the first 100 customers of HubSpot, right? Um, so kind of being exposed to best of breed softwares and platforms and to have an industry that is so void of that and um, was actually really exciting because it's kind of like, it's not like you're trying to be an app and fit it into an existing ecosystem of a crowded space that already exists. It's literally, it was literally like painting a picture. If you could build anything, what would it look like? And that's what we did. Um, so I think you see a lot of, a lot of um, uh, capabilities from best practice applications in 120 water, because that's how we thought about it, right? If you could bring the best of, um, you know, I can't think of an example right now, but, um, you know, the best of one capability and bring it and apply it to water. What would that look like? <laughs> you know, We're, and you, you've got a little bit of a hybrid model, uh, as well too, right. Where there's some like managed service, professional services kind of, that can kind of partner with your software platform as it is today. Right. right. Yeah. How did that, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, the utility market and the government market in general is a, a very service-based market. Um, and especially when you get into the environmental agencies, mm -hmm. they are tasked with doing uh, more with less all the time. Like there are not enough people within their organization a lot of times to get the job done. And so quite frankly, us providing managed services was a way for them to get work done. Um, and so a lot of those services that we that we provided early on have stuck because they're just yeah. such a value to our customer base and to this market. Uh, that's fair. Is Can you give me the, the broad strokes on the managed service yeah. side or is it a kind little, of all over I mean, the board? Thing, yeah. A little things like a uh, tier one um, call center. So, oh. you know, believe it or not, like, you know, when, when our customers would throw these kits out in the ether, there would be zero call center follow-up no phone number on there to call if they have any questions or anything like that, because they just didn't have the, they would not have the bandwidth to field those inquiries. So, you know, we, we actually, um, put in recurring calling services in all of our programs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of data normalization and kind of data, data best practices as well, because they don't have a lot of those services in house. So do you actually have clients that will kind of wholesale, buy a bunch of your kits and then send them out to their customers, like, like me at my house. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. A, and that's a way for them to have somewhat of a, of a broad, um, audit of their, you know, okay, if I've got this centralized treatment plant, let's hit 10% of our customer base across a geographic region and hit them with a bunch of kits. Let's make sure everything's, you know, good all the way out. Yeah. 
I don't, I have, I have, I'm all, I'm at a loss for eloquent words describing No, you got it. Yeah. But but (laughs) why pivot the business? I, you know, I could invest a lot of money trying to get one consumer to buy a kit or our first utility customer. We did uh, 25,000 kits with them the first year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That right. Makes, so you know, I, you know, totally, like, I mean, way more uh, scalable. <laughs> yeah, and and using using the same product, we 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 did not have to re-engineer that initial digital kit. We do call them mm-hmm. digital kits, right? But yep. we didn't have to re-engineer that original product that we that we launched in order to that's, accommodate that. That's a great idea. You uh, you mentioned you just said this kind of in the course of explaining something, but you talked about painting a picture and and. Uh, I'm starting to to paint a picture myself in my head of of you're collecting enormous amounts of data geographically based too. So I'm I'm curious are you are you able to start to to paint a picture of what um you know like looking at a map what the quality quality of water is looking like in a geographical standpoint um, and are you thinking about ways to maybe improve that image moving forward? Yeah, I mean absolutely. So. Um... So, so I guess step back. So we, you know, we sell to three different entities, government agencies, water systems, and then facilities. And we probably have the largest, no, not probably, we officially have, you know, the largest database in the U.S., particularly as it comes to lead sampling in schools and daycares. And we actually use that data to actually um, analyze it for trends. A lot of the trends Mm -hmm. are on, um, you know, what are the common fixtures that may have lead? It's on uh, what are the costs for remediation. Um, the other thing that we do is we overlay known data, like how old is this facility, right? So we can yeah. we can start to kind of pick apart and and you know, water chemistry is hard to predict. Just throwing it out there, water chemistry sure. because there's so many different variables, it's very very hard with certainty to, to predict. But we can at least give some trends based on a very large data set that we have. Um, and we use that a lot, um, for like fiscal analysis when states are thinking about passing legislation. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's huge. And I can imagine other, other, uh, bits that get composited like agricultural runoff and things oh, like yeah. this. And, and we, we live right by the largest freshwater source in the world. Um, some of the algae blooms in Lake Erie and things that are happening there. I mean, there's, I mean, it is incredible the amount of complexity, um, that we're faced with when it comes to the water we need. And I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how anybody can even begin. My mind is starting to cook a little bit thinking about how you <laughs> are, uh, trying to, to corral all of this data into meaningful information for, for legislators. Um, so <laughs> do, do you foresee, <laughs> do you foresee some of that? I mean, Sean, you, you're way more, uh, read up on this than I am. Um, do you think that uh, consumer behavior will start to probably necessitate change, but start to be influenced by some of the things that you guys are doing today? Yeah, I mean, we're we're already seeing it. Absolutely. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, you know, it, it when um, like when you think about the water sector as a whole, um, I mean, there are like no less than five really massive, enormous things that are happening to the sector all at once, which is disrupting it. And that consumer, um, consumer, ex- that consumer expectation is right up there. Like living right. in a post Flint world, um, the answer literally pre Flint, if, if I was a customer and I was, cause I called, I called my utility and I said, I'd like to have my water tested. They said, well, we don't provide that service. You're responsible for the water in your home. 
Interesting. Oh, true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, what, what are the utility is like that? What? What? Comcast. Uh, Comcast. What are the, Comcast. <laughs> Let's not even go down that road. I, I, ISPs are source spot. Anyway, but but that's that's uh, you know th- this is like the, one of the most important utilities we have. You know, <laughs> and, and they just punt. You know, like just throw it over the fence. Hey, man, once it leaves our facility, it's not our problem. That's wow. unreal. Well, we've thought about um, actually my own house. Uh, and, and Megan, I, I can thank you for making my brain even think about this. Getting, um, I did some research of a Berkey. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's a, it's like this really big, almost looks like a moonshine kit. This kind of like tall silver, I guess it's like the, the best water filtration system, but it just, it's like a big cylinder yep. sits on your, on your counter, I guess, in your kitchen, you just fill it with tap water and it like treats water better than most treatment facilities. That's right. So I've read, I don't know if that's actually true or not. No, you're right. Like a lot of these reverse osmosis systems and we call them like Cadillac filtration systems. They're Mm -hmm. actually the same uh, carbon filters that they use at a mass scale at the distribution. They're just made smaller um, to be installed in Mm -hmm. in a home environment. So we, we have RO system or we have an RO system like in our kitchen and um, Mm -hmm. probably have to put one in my bathroom upstairs. Um, but we 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 read that this other thing, this Berkey system, is like has more filtration, quote unquote, than even an RO system. I don't know what it does. I don't understand the science behind it. But it was interesting that there. I mean, there's a market there on the consumer side for for clean drinking water. I mean, you think yeah. go back to the Britas that were super popular probably ten years ago. I know yeah. we had one. We did too. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just interesting yeah. to think about that. It is. It is. And I think that's then when you get into um, the 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 um, equality kind of equitability of water type conversation, Mm. because, you know, there are some people who can afford to to put those systems in, pay for the filters. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, the majority of the people out there that need access to clean drinking water can't afford to put, you know, these systems and, and more or less pay for the ongoing filter and maintenance, you know, of these systems. So right. again, when we think about the customer shift and the conversation around water, um, it, it's fundamentally changing how the, how the utilities think about their customers and, and providing clean water to them. So it's, I mean, it's fascinating. I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio and, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I remember there. what's that? <laughs> lots of lead in Cleveland. Oh Yeah. Um, and I remember, uh, my, I lived with my grandparents for a while and they, they would always say, you know, Oh, just Cleveland drinking water is the cleanest water there is. You know, it's the tap, tap water is fine, you know? And we believed it. You drink out of the hose, you know, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I did it. <laughs> uh, and then at some point, um, somebody's like, nah, nah, maybe you shouldn't drink out of the hose. That's uh, not the best idea. And then it was like, yeah, tap water, you can take a shower, but why don't you drink this bottled water? Or, you know, it, it this, this shift happened at some point. Uh, and yeah, uh, the fact that most people still only have access to tap water from wherever it's coming from is uh, pretty horrendous in this country, in this day and age. Well, is the problem that only people have, and it is my ignorance, is it that tap water is the only thing that people have access to or that tap water isn't safe to drink? Because in my mind, should there not just be a safe way for 
everybody to have health, like clean drinking water? That seems like a, and again, this is my ignorance. That seems like a solvable problem to some degree, but I'm sure it's, it is on a scale that I can't even fathom. Yeah. One, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of the utilities think that they don't have competition because literally you can only, you can only purchase your water. It's a monopoly, right? There's only Mm -hmm. one provider that can, that can source your water to your home. But the reality is they have large competition and their competition is bottled water, right? Mm. Bottled water outsells any other manufactured drink in, in the United States. And, um, you know, I think it's because it, one, it's because it's a known, it, and I can tell you some funny stories about bottled water because it's not any better than tap. I'll tell you that. Right. Um, I've, but, I've heard that. But it, it, it tastes the same. Right. Whereas tap water doesn't taste the same. If I'm if I'm drinking the tap water in Broad Ripple, that's going to be very different, have a different taste than the tap water in Zionsville. And it doesn't mean necessarily taste doesn't equate to bad. It just equates to, again, the chemistry and and where your water is coming from. And climate change has a lot to do on Mm. um, impact of taste and and all that kind of stuff. So it's um, the clean part is a solvable problem, Zach. Like we can we can okay. make sure that we are providing clean drinking water to everybody, but I think there's some other nuances in terms of people expect that that Fiji water mm-hmm. coming out of the tap, you know, from Indiana to Wyoming to New York. That's that's harder to that's harder to solve for. Isn't it interesting, like um, expectations of human beings these days for <laughs> like the the resource that we all must have every day to survive? Right. It's got to taste the same or else I won't drink it. But the funny thing is, I, I mean, I grew up on a well. So and wells, oh, are, yeah. not, wells are not regulated. But the thing right. is, I grew up thinking that's how water tasted. So every time I would taste someone else's water, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have the worst water. And then you go to college and you come home and you're like, I can't drink this. You know what I mean? Like, then you're. <laughs> so oh, I love that. Oh, I, I, I can't do all water. Uh yeah. <laughs> no. My, too sulfury. Uh, yeah. No, no dice. I've tried it before. I'll never try it. No, I don't. Who knows? If I had to, if I, you're like enough, if I'm thirsty enough, I would drink it, you know, I guess. <laughs> it's so weird how spoiled we get. Um, it, I, know that's right. I know it really is true. Oh. So is there, is there, this is a little, this is way off topic, but I'm just curious if either one of you, uh, uh, know, have an answer to this, but is there something we can do as consumers to be more quote unquote responsible water drinkers? Like, is there a thing that we should all be doing to, to help this problem? Well, I, I, I would say, I mean, we are, um, if you know your water, you know, is clean and safe to drink drink the water and not don't uh, use bottles. I mean, okay. bottle, like, but you know, the, the, the amount of plastic yeah. uh, waste that is generated through the consumption of bottled water, we're, 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 we're actually replacing one problem for another. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, uh, we we've switched over to Yetis in my house. We love those. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, so I think just as consumers of water, like, Make, just make sure that you need to do in your household whatever you need to do to feel comfortable for filling up um, yeah. with the tap as opposed yep. to the bottle. Stop using mm-hmm. stop using plastic. Stop using plastic. I agree with that. All right. That's easy. That's an easy <laughs> thing to do. I love that advice. 
So diving yeah, back, but, to, but unless oh, unless you're like my mom who like buys flats of water just in case, like yeah, <laughs> she she's like that boomer generation who thought Y two K was the end of the world, you know, like that mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, I love my mother. She's she's always been prepared and she's taken wonderful care of us, but she's got to let go with bottled water. It's, well, it's, and, it's and a I, real challenge. And, and I, I I would be lying if I didn't say we had our emergency case stashed mm-hmm. in our room right now. Yep, sure. <laughs> Well, I, you know, how else would you store, you know, water if it's not in plastic? Right. You know, just like, no, that, no not, that, not that you're going to yeah. do it every week, but this, that it's there in case of emergency. Having, having that is a responsible thing to do. I'm just saying, you know, like, oh, I'm thirsty and this cold bottle of water will right. yes. be just a ticket. That, that's yeah. the attitude that has to change, right? I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. And it almost needs to be like the mentality of, of cigarette smoking. Like it almost needs to be like our kids grow up and mm. when they see someone with a, a bottled water, they're appalled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to judge other people, but it's just that severe of a problem. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which right. is why it's so comical to me when you get off an airplane in Indianapolis International Airport now and they have like cases of bottled water. Really? <laughs> I haven't noticed that. Yeah. Who bought cases of water for you? Thank you for yeah. flying with us. Thank you for flying with us. So you guys are are on the precipice of a new evolution, a little bit of a a little bit of a different journey. So going from the kits to um, here's here's a um, here's a software platform to help run and manage your uh, operations. Uh-huh. Basically, you know, here's a better way to capture your data than a logbook. Yeah. Um, as well as some other things. I know that there are there's a there's many years of of feature sets on that. And now you guys are getting ready to pivot to more of a quote unquote platform play yeah. and really dive into the water market even deeper. It sounds right. like. Yes. So can you can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah. Um yeah. So we made um so again, if you, I'm going to use a, a startup type term. So if you think sure. about our beachhead, our beachhead market, it was really proving that um, we could sell our software and our kits to manage these lead programs that were emerging. And we quite just to be honest with you, we weren't displacing exist, we weren't displacing competitors, right? Because it was a blue ocean right. market, right? And so it was easier to kind of prove that to get a proof of concept out there, say, would people actually buy this if we built it, knowing that we are displacing installed access databases and Excel sheets, as opposed to going into a market where there were like five other software players that we were competing against, if that makes sense. Yep. yep. So we, we, proved, we proved that out. And, you know, as we were um, building out the software, our customer base would continuously ask us, hey, you know, can you also do this? Like, I really like how we're managing X, Y, Z here. Could you also do it for my wastewater? Or, hey, how do you do, uh, could you also do this for my sanitary surveys the way that you do for X, Y, Z? So so anyway, we probably spent um, about a year and a half really getting to know our customers, getting to know the market, doing a ton of competitive analysis to understand who are the legacy solutions, what exists out there, what are the needs, what are the opportunities, and um, last year, um, you know, we, we became pretty bullish on the idea that we were a digital water company and we wanted to expand beyond lead. And so mm-hmm. in order to do that, we, um, we raised a Series A, uh, which closed in September. And um, all of that 
funding is to double down and triple down on who we are today. So uh, going and, and making sure that we can address the entire market and their lead programs, but then also expanding the capabilities of um, our digital water cloud to do more water programs um, that our customers are currently tasked with doing. Oh, wow. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fun journey. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's the largest vision out there in the sector. No pressure yeah. or anything. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment and appreciate the phrase digital water cloud. I, I really, really like that. <laughs> and it sounds like, it sounds like, like a post fusion concept album that, that, yeah. that like, <laughs> anyway, have you heard digital water cloud? Oh man. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Not, I think it's great. I love it. It's just uh you're now have to gonna you're gonna have to create a Spotify playlist for this. Yeah, it's time. Ooh. Oh my yeah, gosh, if you would that. share it, I would totally play it in our ha- in our um Friday happy hours. Yep, that needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, you might have to uh might have to uh uh listen to it first and don't embarrass yourself. I, I might I might <laughs> go down a rabbit hole on this one. <laughs> <laughs> As the resident musician, I think that's going to be that's going to be an awesome playlist. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, I'm excited! All right, forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. So sorry. I mean, that's all good. That's no, all good. So what are you what are you looking forward to most? Is it the is it the the technology? The oh man, this industry is ripe for disruption, and we're going to continue disrupting. Is it the uh, hey, we're going to go tackle some really gnarly problems. Like, what do you feel like you personally looking forward to most? I'm personally looking forward to um, uh, looking back three years from now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, and seeing all that we've accomplished. Um, I That's a great question. Um, that's a really great question. My gosh, Zach. This, I'm getting all like philosophical now, man. Um, so I, I'm honestly, I'm really looking just forward to growing this stage of the business um, mm. because I just feel so confident in the vision and yeah. what needs to happen to get there. I might not have the uh, what and when and why figured out. Uh, I think we're sure. still kind of in that messy middle of figuring out, okay, you know, tactically speaking, what needs to happen. I, I borrowed that. Uh-huh. From you. Oh yeah. Um, well, and but, I borrowed it from somebody else smarter than I did. Right, but the, uh, but I think even if we accomplish, you know, 60% of our vision, um, mm-hmm. it's still going to be a huge impact on the industry and, yeah. um, and the industry needs us to succeed. And so I'm just, I'm just really excited to be in a position where we have the industry in our corner wanting us to succeed we have our capital partners willing to fund the business and help kind of um, put us on that trajectory. And then, and then I'm just excited to assemble a team to do it. That's so, that's so fun. Well, so I'm going to steal off of your, I'm going to ask you another follow-up question and steal off of what you said you're looking forward to most. If you look back three years, what makes you smile the most? Oh gosh. Um, uh, that, uh, that somehow we pulled this off. I mean, I, I, I tell everybody, I tell everybody, we, we were not meant to be a, a B2B high growth software company in Indianapolis. I mean, if you would have told me three years ago that, you know, we would be, you know, within 
three years of launching your software company, over 5 million in ARR, seen as an industry leader, you know, have Steve Case on your cap table, um, be speaking at like all of these like high level water events. I, I would have told you to go pounce sand. <laughs> <laughs> Have, so, have uh, and and to play off the digital water cloud, those water conferences have they gone digital? <laughs> have they gone uh, virtual? The one, the one good thing in COVID is finally we're saving so much money not having to go to conferences because they're going digital. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. How how how's your how have your folks adjusted with going uh, uh, remote work from home? I know you guys you guys have a you know cool office there in downtown Zionsville. Yeah. You know, I think um, everyone's adjusted. Everyone can do work remotely, right? We've, we've sure. always been a virtual office and it's not uncommon for people to work from home. Um, but I will tell you, we're missing each other because we we're a team. Like we actually really enjoy getting up every day and going and seeing one another. And so I think we we miss one another. Um, but I will tell you every, you know, in some ways it's made us all a lot closer because, mm. you know, someone pointed out, they're like, you know, Megan, I normally I would never really see you with your kids a lot. Or you know what I mean? Like I think people are yeah. just work settings versus home settings, and um, and now again. it's all being forced to smash together. Right. So that's cool. Do you do you feel like you're finding that um, you are able to lead similarly through this, or are you finding some of that to be a little bit more challenging? That that feeling of disconnectedness. Yeah, at least for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself, has made it hard for me to feel like um, I know the right things to talk about. I can invest the same amount of attention and time with people. And it, and it's not necessarily, I guess, time. It's more that the engagement level is the same because video, at least for me, is really hard to replace that human interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Um... This whole environment does not bode well to my my skills as a leader. Yeah. And in a part of that, uh, we I think earlier, maybe when we were starting, said Fridays feel like we've worked three weeks. And honestly, yeah. a lot of it is because I um, just the over communication needed. The, okay, just the thought of what that communication needs to be in the fir- in the first place. Let's just the thought of yeah. that, and then actually executing it. Um, is exhausting. And, and even then I feel like I'm not doing enough. Right. Um, I would much rather be in an in-person and making around and making sure that I touch every single person in the company at least once a week and ask them how they're doing. And that's hard in a virtual setting. Um, when you have stuff that you have to get done as part of your day job, and now you're trying to overcompensate for this new virtual environment. So it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Do you, I mean, do you feel that this um this is going to have a lasting effect on your culture in terms of what what that means? I mean, I think a lot of people are struggling with what what is our company going to look like when we all come back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's going to be strange. Do you have do you have a, a sense of what that looks like for for you guys? Well, I just I mean, I think I'm just fortunate. I mean, and knock on knock on wood that I mean we are going to have a strong company to come back to. I mean, my, my heart breaks for um, a lot of the companies that that's, that's the question that they're dealing with. It's, you know, we may not have the same people and we may not have the company that we thought we did. So, um, you know, I think 
very feeling very fortunate that, that we're going to have a company to come back to, but I, it will without a doubt, 100% change our culture. Um, yeah. And I think in a good way, I think it's always going to, everyone who's on the bus now is going to look back and say, well, remember that COVID time. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when. I think a lot of people are going to have that feeling and um, hopefully it brings, hopefully it's positive for most folks. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think it will be. I think that like you mentioned, people are learning to humanize a lot of, a lot of what they've automated and finding each other and, and, and their resilience and their personalities are emerging in really interesting ways. And when everybody comes back to work, they're going to have new appreciation, yeah. uh, hopefully, uh, for each other and, and for what they do and for the togetherness that they took for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're going to have to change our, our, maybe our work layout a little bit. I think, um, people are mm -hmm. going to be a lot more spatially conscious than what they were before, but That'll yeah. Happen. Yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how everybody kind of settles out. back in. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, you are such a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Do you have yeah. any shameless plugs? Remember they're shameless before we wrap up. Shameless plugs. Uh, well, I mean, come on. If you, if you, if you need your water <laughs> tested, we still do offer the consumer kit on our website. That's true. So I'm going to go on. An, I'm going to go on and order one of those bad boys. I'll just give you guys one. Just let, remind me and we'll, and, and we'll test awesome. your water. Thank you. I'm Ooh. excited about that. It'll be two. Hey, there are two data points, one in the suburbs, one in the city. That'll be interesting. I'm telling yeah. you, it'll be good. I'm, I'm, I'm partially scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been drinking that. We hear that. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday. And you, you have an awesome well. weekend. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to get out well, and do some more molting. Weekend. I hear that the Easter Bunny is still in route. So, yes. uh, okay. Yes. So have uh, a wonderful non-conventional Easter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thank you, you too. too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Have a great weekend. Bye guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank yeah. you.